Father, thank you so much for just this chance to come back together in this room. And thank you for these ladies who have come to study your word. Father, I pray that you would use the book of James in our lives to spur us on, to help us stand firm. And I pray, Lord, that that you would take all the concerns and fears and worries and anxiety just away. And that you would help us keep our eyes focused on you. Lord, we love you so much and we thank you that you are on the throne. You always have been and you always will be. Thank you. And so we give this time to you now and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, do you feel like your faith is being tested a little bit these days? You know, today's times are really challenging, and my, I won't tell you how many years uh, of my life, I feel like this has probably been the most challenging time I've lived in, and that even includes when I lived overseas. It's just challenging. We've seen our world turned upside down since last March. We thought we'd be back to normal today. I would have never, if you had asked me uh, even a few months ago, If I thought we'd be where we are today, I'd say, no, we're doing great. And here we are. Uh, Just every day is a challenge. You don't know what tomorrow holds. Uh, As our COVID numbers have spiked and we're dealing with that still, I just never dreamed. Uh, We met with some women in India this morning and, you know, never thought we'd still be having to meet by Zoom uh, instead of in person. But things are different. In addition to that, I mean, there's just so much disunity in our nation today, and not just in our country, not just politically, but there's division and disunity even in our churches. We don't agree about masks. We don't agree about vaccines. We don't agree, just, we're just at each other, and it, there's just a lack of, of unity that is it's prevalent. We watch uh, businesses having to close. I, um, it, it makes me sad when I ride by stores that I'm so used to being open, but they're closed for good. Or, like last week, driving through Backyard Burger, and they said, had a sign saying, had to close at three because we don't have staff. So we're living in challenging days. We're facing even just... Um, concerns about the overall direction of where our country's headed. And there's just things that are feeling unsettling. And then this last Saturday, we observed the anniversary of 9-11. And I know some of you may not have... Is anybody in this room (laughs) young enough that you don't remember 9-11? Anybody? Sarah Beth. I don't mean to... (laughs) I don't mean to uh, point you out, but... Uh, you know, 9-11, we observed that. And as I reflected on that Saturday, one of the things that I thought about was how back in 2001, we were so unified. It didn't matter whether you were Democrat, Republican, if you were white, black, Hispanic, Chinese. We came together against one enemy, 
But now we're, we're, we're lacking that. I remember watching the Congress stand on the steps of the Capitol and sing, God bless America. Oh, I'd love to see that today. So we're, we're living in times that are challenging, that are difficult, that are hard to understand. And we need to stand firm. More than ever, we need to stand firm in our faith and not be toppled over, not be pulled by the world. This is a timely time, I know that doesn't sound right, uh, a fitting time to study the book of James because there were things going on there that they were dealing with and they had to stand firm. And so this is such a timely book for us to look at in light of what, what's going on around us. You know, and James is a unique book because it's made up of just a variety of topics. It's just all over the place. I mean, he kind of goes here, and then he goes there, and then he comes back to that, and then he goes over here. But there is one major theme that runs throughout the book, and that theme is standing firm. And we're going to talk about what's going on in their time uh, in just a minute. But he ties all those themes together, all those topics together around this theme of standing firm when life is challenging. And so this morning as we begin our study of James, uh, what I always like to do is give you an overview of the book. And so today is going to be more informational than usual, but it's good to understand the book as a whole before you start studying it. So that's what I'm going to take us through this morning. We begin with the author. Who wrote this book? Well, James 1.1, we know it was a man named James. He identifies himself in, in James 1.1, and he says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. But the question is, which James? There are at least four men in the New Testament named James, so which James wrote this book? And you're going to look at this a little closer in your first week's lesson. Well, there were, like I said, at least four men named James in the New Testament but we can rule out two of those men immediately because they weren't well-known at all. Um, and from the greeting, it, it's implied that the James that wrote this letter was well-known by the people that he wrote. And so these first two James, we don't even, nobody considers them as a possibility. That leaves us two men. One is James, the brother of John, the sons of Zebedee. But he couldn't have written it because he was martyred for his faith before this letter was written. So that brings us to one last James. Most scholars agree that the James that wrote this letter is the half-brother of Jesus. And that's the, the view I take, the half-brother of Jesus. And you'll see in your first week's lesson, he didn't even come to faith until after the resurrection of Christ. But he became a recognized leader in the church of Jerusalem. You know, Josephus, one of the early church historians, tells us that James was stoned to death in A.D. 62 by orders of the uh, Sadducees of the Sanhedrin. But another tradition says he was pushed off the walls of the temple to his death. And regardless of which way he died, 
scholars all agree, he was martyred for his faith, whether he was pushed off the wall or stoned to death. He lived out what he wrote. So that's the author. Second, we want to look at the recipients. Who did he write to? Well, again, verse 1, it it tells us, to the 12 tribes who are dispersed abroad. And the 12 tribes reflect the Jewish sons of Israel. And so this letter was written to Jewish believers, Jews who had heard the gospel and came to faith in Christ. And there weren't many Gentile believers at this time. And because of Roman persecution that they were going through, their lives were hard, and so they had to leave Jerusalem and and Palestine, the surrounding area. They had to leave because of the persecution, and so they all dispersed and they scattered. But even in their new places, they faced challenges. Life was hard. They couldn't get work. They were ostracized. They couldn't come into places. They were going through an unsettling time a time where their faith was being shaken. And this was not addressed to a specific church. This was written to a, a group of people. Um, was that a dog? <laughs> <laughs> Lou, did you bring Lexi? <laughs> um, okay. You never know what's going to come up, what's going to happen. But this was a round-robin letter, one that just kind of got passed probably from city to city. But that was the recipients, Jewish believers. Then we come to the date that it was written. And I know some of you are going, I don't really care when it was written. That doesn't really matter. Well, and I understand, sometimes the date really doesn't matter. But it does help us in this situation. Um, I agree with the view of scholars that The letter of James was the first writing of the New Testament. It was the earliest of the writings of the New Testament. Galatians is thought to be the second one written. It had to be written before A.D. 62 because that's when James was martyred. But it had no reference to Gentiles in the book, so that kind of indicates that it preceded the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15 that took place in A.D. 49. And so this book was probably written somewhere in the area of 45 to 48 A.D. And the significance of it being so early is that some people have said, well, James is arguing with Paul and what he wrote in his letters about salvation by faith. Because James talks about justification by works. So he's disagreeing with Paul. Well, no, he's not. Because Paul hadn't even written his letters yet. This is the first letter. So that's why the date is important for us to understand because it puts things in perspective. Uh, And and we'll talk more about those seemingly contradictions uh, when we get to that lesson. So that's the date, somewhere 45 to 48 A.D. Well, fourth, let's look at the purpose. Why did he write this letter? Well, he wrote it to encourage these scattered believers who were going through a hard time. He wrote it to encourage them to stand firm in their faith in the midst of difficulties and trials. James had a pastor's heart. He had a shepherd's heart. Um, 
He wanted to instruct them. He wanted to spur them on. He wanted to encourage them. And so he addressed in this letter the obstacles that could trip them up, which is how I've kind of divided up the study. He addressed the obstacles, but he also talked about what to do to not be taken down by those obstacles. This book is not so much a book of theology as it is a book of practical living. And I love that. That's one of the things I love about this book is how practical it is in what to do and how to live. A handbook for living out our faith. And then we come fifth to the tone. What's the tone of this letter? Well, it's mainly exhortation. He is exhorting them to do certain things or not do certain things. It reads more like a sermon than a letter. He's just, you know, James includes 54 imperatives or commands in the 108 verses in this letter. So it's roughly a command for every other verse that he's giving. This is a letter of exhortation. He's, he's exhorting them, spurring them on, encouraging them. And then we come to number six, the distinct characteristics. It's always good to kind of look at a book and go, well, what's unique about this book in the Bible? And so there's a few that I want to just share with you. One, this book is Jewish in nature. Some books are, are geared to both Jews and Gentiles, some more to Gentiles. This one is Jewish in nature, and we've already mentioned he's writing to Jewish believers. He refers to the assembly or synagogue. So these are Jews. A second distinct characteristic, and I've mentioned this just a while ago, but James deals more with practical application than theology. In Paul's letters, you're going to get tons of theology which is good. But James focuses more on practical application. He emphasizes live out what, you're, what you know to be true. Live out theology. Don't just talk about it. Live it out. The third distinctive is that he hardly mentions Jesus at all in this letter. Uh, he mentions him in chapter 2, verse 1, but he, he really doesn't talk about Jesus, and he never mentions his death and his resurrection. But he does uh, make 14 references to the Sermon on the Mount. But he just doesn't talk much about his, his brother. A fourth characteristic distinctive is that he alludes to passages in 22 Old Testament books. And that would appeal to Jewish believers because they love the Old Testament. And so he, he keeps going back to things in the Old Testament that they would understand and relate to. He knew his audience well. And then the fifth thing is the canonicity of James, whether or not it was to be in the, the Bible, included in the Bible. It was questioned for a while until the church realized 
that it was Jesus' brother, half-brother, who wrote the book. And then they began to give it a little bit more, oh, okay, maybe this is God's word. And it wasn't until the 4th and 5th centuries that James was included in the canon consistently. So it's part of our Bible, but it took a while to be accepted. And Martin Luther, one of the great reformers, did not like the book of James. I mean, he called it an epistle of straw because he just felt like, ah, it's just so light. It's no theology. And he talks about justification by works. And, and so Martin Luther was not a fan of this book. But that doesn't mean that we cannot love this book because this book is powerful. But it did take a while for it to be accepted into the canon. Okay, so then let's move seventh to the emphasis of this book. What does he emphasize? Well, and this is what I'm going to wrap up with today with just things for you to think about. But he emphasized a number of things in this book. I've talked about that he points out obstacles for them. Those are part of his emphasis. We'll take an obstacle or two each week. But he also um, emphasized what is essential to overcoming those obstacles. And I want to just point out three things that you, you see that he really loved or had a, a strong devotion to that will help us stand firm. And the first was a love for God's word. James loved the word of God. He talked about the word of God all through this letter. He called it by different names. I mean, he's called it the word of truth, the word implanted, uh, the perfect law, the law of liberty, the royal law. I mean, he caught the law, the law, and, and you'll see how many times he talks about the word of God because James knew how important it is to be in the word of God and to love it. If we're going to stand firm in our faith, we have to love God's word and as a result of loving it, obeying it. Do you love the Word of God? I hope so, because you're all right here. And I don't think you'd be here if you didn't love the Word of God. But if we ever stop loving it, we're in trouble. When I went to college, when I was in high school and junior high, I loved the Word of God. I studied it every day. And then I went to college, never opened it, went off the wrong path. If we're going to stand firm in our faith, We have got to love the Word of God, and I pray that we never lose that love for God's Word. And do you obey it? It's one thing to study it, but do you live it out? Because that's what James is getting at. A second uh, emphasis that he has in this book is a devotion to prayer. And James addresses prayer all throughout this book. He talks about it in chapter 1, he comes back to it in chapter 4, he finishes in chapter 5 talking about prayer. And he, he knew how important prayer was if we're going to stand firm in our faith. You know, James' uh, tradition has it that he spent a lot of time in prayer. Uh, one tradition gives James the nickname of Camel Knees. 
because of how much time he spent on his knees in prayer that his knees became calloused. Wouldn't you love to have that nickname? Well, if it means that you prayed. I mean, what a compliment. Callous knees. Your, your knees are callous because you've spent hours on your knees in prayer. Another uh, church historian, Eusebius, uh, in the 4th century, he said of James that he used to enter alone into the temple and be found kneeling and praying for forgiveness of the people so that his knees grew hard like a camel's because of his constant worship of God. Boy, I'd love for all of us you, to be devoted to prayer. I mean, you know I love prayer. I've written two Bible studies on prayer. But I'm not where I, I want to be. I want to spend more time in prayer and not just saying words, but reaching out to God and saying, God, work in ways that only you can do. Believing God to do the impossible. Asking God boldly to do things. That's what I pray for us that we'd become camel knees. Not because, maybe not physically on your knees, but in your heart. You know, when I think of a prayer warrior, and if anybody could probably have that nickname here in this church, I think of Marianne Frazier. I went to see Marianne a few weeks ago at Methodist Hospice, and we visited, and she said, Darling, <laughs> I have all the time in the world and nothing to do but pray. And so I pray all day long for y'all. And everything that I pray for our church, and I pray for this, and I pray. She, Mary Ann Frazier, I tell you, that's where I want to be when I'm 90, however old, 97, 98. That's what I want to be like. I got all day long to just sit, and there's nothing else to do. I'm going to pray. That's what I hope for all of us. So, that's the second emphasis. First, a love for God's word. Second, a devotion to prayer. And third, a steadfastness against the world's mindset. You know, James teaches that the world should not be the one that dictates what we believe or what we think or how we behave. It's God's word that dictates that. And so fitting in the times that we live in today where there's all these things being thrown at us. And James covers a lot of topics concerning the world, and you're going to see almost every week we're going to look at something concerning the world. And right now, I mean, we're living in a time where the, the world is trying to change our convictions of what we believe. Hey, the Bible, that part in the Bible, uh-uh, that's old-fashioned. You know, same-sex marriage, nah, that doesn't apply to us today. Gender differences, um, you know, living for self, it's all about you. You do what's best for you. We can't go there. We have to remember, I was sharing with my leaders last week, Philippians 2 has just been on my mind as just considering one another is more important than yourself and and 
shining as lights and doing all things without grumbling and disputing. And I'm thinking, Lord, we have become a bunch of grumblers and disputers. And I pray we wouldn't. That we would walk as shining lights in this world. Are you staying unstained by the world? Or is the world rubbing off on you? Well, James emphasizes three essentials here that I hope that we will really focus on ourselves. A love for God's word, a devotion to prayer, and a steadfastness against what the world is telling us is the right thing. You know, we definitely uh, are, as I said, we're standing in the middle of a storm, I think, where there are winds blowing. I, I always go back to the image. You may wonder, why do we have a, a seagull on the front of our Bible study book for the book of James? And it, your bookmark this year has a seagulls on it, and Noel Holler did a beautiful job of capturing what I wanted to portray for this theme of steadfast. And if you read the introduction to the study, you... Uh, red, why? I've got the seagull. That's kind of, we've decided that's our mascot for this year. But when I go to the beach, I love sitting there and watching the seagulls. And as those storm clouds are in the horizon, they start to come, and the winds pick up, those seagulls don't flinch. I've, I've talked to my niece and go, they're not even moving. That is my prayer for us that we would be like those seagulls. When you see a picture of a seagull, whether it's on our Bible study or your bookmark, it would remind you to pray, God, make me steadfast. Let my feet be so firmly planted in the truth of your word that I will not flinch regardless of what goes on tomorrow or next month or next year. That's my prayer, that we would stand firm regardless of what happens. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the book of James. There's so much practical truth in here for us to apply. And I pray, Lord, that we would take every word and really live it out today. And Father, I have been convicted as I have gone back through this book. I pray that you would change our lives as a result of this letter that James wrote hundreds of years ago. Father, keep us strong. Keep us standing, fixed, steadfast against whatever comes. We love you, Lord. Thank you that you're on the throne. In Jesus' name, amen.